welcome again. Glad to have the opportunity to uh, look at God's Word with you today. And uh, uh, if you have your Bible, please grab it because uh, that's what we do here. Uh, if you don't know, uh, this is this weekend is uh, another one of our baptism weekends. And man, super exciting. A couple weeks ago, we had five baptisms. And uh, a couple of them you can watch online on our YouTube channel if you're looking for them. I encourage you to. The stories are fantastic. Uh, and then to this weekend... There's at least two baptisms happening, and, and actually, we're planning another one for three weeks from now on August 8th, and uh, there's at least another three people getting baptized then. So if you're interested in being baptized, um, please shoot me a text or send me an email. Um, some of you have already. I'd love to chat with you more about that, and uh, it's just been exciting to, uh, to see God at work in his church and to be living out the Great Commission, uh, and it's been nice to be able to do it outside in the, in the beautiful summer weather. So I uh, want to jump in today, today's topic. Uh, uh, Over the past year and a a bunch, I don't know if you've realized the the escalation in um, how we live in like a divided world. It is uh, divided all over the place. You know, the the racial divide, the racial line seem to have grown deeper. Um, Even though there's this push for racial equality, it just seems to have caused more division. Um, Identity politics, uh, just tribalizing and and dividing based on group and and group against group. Um, Social justice defining those groups. Um, as privileged oppressors or, or the oppressed, depending on the group they're connected to, and the division, the, the deep-rooted, deep-seated division uh, that's happening. And it's, 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 it's kind of strange because we see more division happening when the goal is equality and unity. In this pursuit of equality and unity, we see more and more division. And, I, and it's not just in the world. Uh, we see and many experience it in their very own family groups. You know, the, the division over the COVID wars and, you know, uh, the following the protocols or not following close enough. Division over the vax, the shot, whether you're getting it or not getting it. Um, the cultural issues, you know, gender identity, how we uh, respond to LGBTQ um, concerns. And for some, it's even a matter of faith. Division over faith, division over even the, the topic of baptism. Just this, div- this divided, divided um, world we live in, divided families that many are a part of. And I, I don't know about you, but I think inside of us, I think each of us wish there was like a place where that wasn't the case, where, where there wasn't division, where we, we could just get along. I, I think that we see it in, in culture, we see it in, in all over, this pursuit of that. But it seems just so elusive. You know, and uh, I, the truth is, the church was actually meant to be that place. It was meant to be this place of, of connection and, a, and of unity, but even in the church, we see division. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think that the church is no stranger to division because the church is not a stranger to, to real people. I was reminded of this, uh, this guy who told this story about this man on a deserted island, and uh, as he was being rescued after years and years and years, he was just so excited, and the captain who had sailed up to rescue him saw that he had three little huts on his beach, and he, he said to the, the man, what are those? And he's like, oh, this is my house over here. And he's like, okay, what's the one beside you? Oh, oh, that's my church. I go there to worship on Sundays. He's like, well, what's that other hut? He's like, oh, that's the church I used to go to. You know, it's like, I know humorous, but how many of us have seen and been, had that experience with, you know, the division that we even feel within 
um, church circles. And it almost seems like that's, it's like division is like natural for us. It's, it's like a, it's like a default mode that, you know, we have to try really, really hard not to go there. It just seems to be somewhere where we end up, you know, the world, the family, the church, they're all made up of divided people. And, you know, division and, and brokenness are like synonymous. And I think if we think that, you know, broken people like me, broken people like you make up all of those relationships, it's no surprise that we find division. And as I read through Acts and Philippians um, the last little while, I realize that division is not a new thing to, to, you know, 2021. It has been around since, since time began, since humanity began. And we see Paul uh, writing to the Jesus followers. Paul's a guy who hated Jesus followers. Again, he wanted them all dead until he met Jesus. And then he became a passionate Jesus follower, planted churches, began writing letters to these churches. And, and we have one of those letters. Um, we don't have all the letters, but uh, we have some of them. And one of the letters that we have and been translated into English is this letter to the church in Philippi, or to the Philippians. Um, it wasn't written directly to us, and we've got to remember that. This wasn't written specifically to, you know, you sitting on your couch or me standing here. But there's so much written in there that pertains to us or that's for us that we can learn from. You know, the letter was written to the Jesus followers in Philippi. Philippi is a real place. I, I think sometimes we think, oh, these are these ancient, you know, manuscripts or whatever, but they're, they're historical in the fact that there was real, a real place called Philippi. You can see some of the ruins um, here in the picture. Uh, it's located in, in modern day Greece. It's no, it's, it's been abandoned for centuries, uh, but it was in its heyday. It was a, 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 a very patriotic Roman-owned city. I mean, the people, they, the you know, Roman ex-officers would go there to, uh, to retire. It was full of um, of patriots, and and uh, they were loyal to Caesar. And so, when this group of Jesus followers began in this city, and they began to claim that they served a different Lord. There was problems as a result, and they faced a lot of persecution as a, as a result because they weren't serving the Lord Caesar like everyone else in their town. Here's what Paul writes to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. If you have your Bible, turn there. Philippians 1, verse 27, Paul says to them this, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. He's like, you know, you're not citizens of Philippi, you're not citizens of Rome, you're citizens of heaven. And he said, so conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And then he says, whether I come and see you again, because he was hoping to, but he said, whether I come and see you again, or I only hear about you, I will know that you are two things, standing together with one spirit and one purpose, and you're fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. You know, standing together and fighting together for something, for the good news. You know, why was Paul writing this? I think Paul wrote this because he knew that there was something that they needed to know. He knew something that they need to know. He knew something we need to know. And I'm glad that we have it because, you know, I think as Paul's writing to them saying, hey, live, live in this way. And I know there's all kinds of opportunity for division and there's all kinds of opportunity for opinion and, 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 and this, this default mode of division in our lives. But he says, let me ask you a few questions. Maybe I've got a few things I'd like for you to consider. And, and here's what he writes. He writes this checklist at the beginning of chapter two. And he asks them to consider a few things. Here, here's what he says in Philippians chapter two, verse one. He asks them, hey, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Have you discovered, he says, that there's like this inner encouragement that you have simply because you belong to Christ? I'm like, well, you know, what does that have to do with division? He's like, the thought is like, how, look inside here first for a minute and see, see where you're really at. 
You know, it's, uh, maybe I ask you the same question. Have you discovered that there's an encouragement in belonging to Christ? You know, as we see the baptisms, people are immersed in the water. Paul says to the Romans that you've been immersed into Christ, that your life becomes surrounded around him. And when you realize that and you've, you've been born again on the inside, something happens inside here. And I don't know if you've realized that, that there's this solace there, that in tough times, you know that you're guaranteed a good ending. You know, it doesn't matter how it ends. You know that um, the ending is going to be good no matter what. That, that, you, that you realize there's more to this life than just this life. You know, Paul, he was a man just living for eternity. Always looking to the, to the end goal. Saying, I'm running a race and I'm looking for the prize that awaits me when I, meet my, um, when I meet my Savior face to face. He was living for eternity as a citizen of heaven. And he wanted them to as well. You know, I've, I'm reminded of um, Francis Chan um, sharing a, uh, an, an illustration. And, and every time I see it, it, it grabs me. And, and maybe you've seen it. But again, the reminder every time is, is uh, beneficial. He, he has a rope. I got an uh, extension cord. But he said some things like this. Just picture that this extension cord goes on forever and ever. It doesn't. It just goes off the screen. But just picture that it went on and on forever. He says, as you look at this thing, let this, picture this as being a timeline of your life, your whole life. And this little part here at the beginning, this is your part of your life that you live here on earth. And the rest of it is eternity. He says, how much do we focus on everything that has to happen in this tiny little part of our real life? You know, for some, they say they work so hard just to get to this very end and they're going to enjoy this very last little bit. And wonder sometimes, why do people make these decisions here that don't seem to make sense in this life? But for so many of us, Paul would say, man, it doesn't matter what happens in this life. It, it, this life affects everything else. It affects the rest of eternity, thousands and millions and millions of years after this. What I do here matters. I always think about my favorite quote from Gladiator. They says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That same thought that, that what happens here matters. And Paul's saying, you know, is there any consolation that you have from being in Christ? <laughs> isn't, there a, isn't there a peace that comes into your life when you realize that, hey, because of him, my eternity is settled. That, that, that I have that confidence and, and that comfort in him. He goes on to say this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Have you, have you thought about how loved you are recently? Like just... Not just like loved by people or, you know, loved by uh, self-love or whatever our culture tries to tell us. But have you thought about how loved you are by God? When God describes his type of love and he actually describes himself the, in the, using words like um, patient. Like have you experienced his patience? Have you experienced his kindness, his goodness, his forgiveness? Have you experienced the fact that he keeps no record of wrongs? That is some kind of love. Some of you are like, yeah, I wish my wife would love me like that. You know, I wish other people would love with that keeping no record of wrongs. You know, the love that you never have to be concerned about or worried about because his love never fails. He's like, is there a comfort in that kind of love? Heck yes, there is, as my friend Napoleon Dynamite would say. You know, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, hey, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Do you realize that you have the very spirit of God living on the inside of you if you're a Jesus follower? That you have an intimate connection with him? That if you'd slow down and just listen for his voice, you would hear it? 
that, that you have that very assurance of salvation on your life simply because you have his spirit on the inside of you. And, and what about the connection with other people who also share the same spirit of, of Jesus? Is there something valuable to that connection? That's what Paul's asking him. He's like, have you, have you discovered any value in that connection? But that you're connected because of the spirit? We'd be like, yes, there is. For sure there is. And then he carries on with the last thought, are your hearts tender and compassionate? How's your heart? How's my heart? You know, as I read through this, so much of this jumped out at me as well. Is my heart still tender? Or has it become calloused and indifferent because of division and because of the differences of of opinion and thoughts? Uh, Is it still compassionate? Do we still have a, like a genuine care and concern for our, our fellow man, let alone our brothers and sisters in Christ? Does that remain there? You know, I think Paul's understanding of it is that, yes, we would answer yes to those questions that as we're following Christ, man, there's a comfort there. There's an encouragement there. There's this beauty of being connected to brothers and sisters of the Spirit. And yeah, there's something about his love that burns in our hearts. And so he goes on and says this, If that's the case, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. When you read the literal translation of it, he's he's almost like a dad. He 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 writes words. Let my um, like fulfill my joy, or let let my joy cup let let that overflow. Would you fill that to overflowing by being um, by being of one mind, by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another? I think it's like almost like any dad who's got kids, you know. And there's like that one thing you just wish above all that your kids would play nice with each other, that they would that they would get along, that they would agree wholeheartedly. And when we read this, we think about this as the church and the, and the Jesus followers, that the, the idea of agreeing wholeheartedly is not agreeing um, 100% on every topic. That's, that's, that's not going to happen. You know, or that we, would, that we would strive for unity at any cost, like just the lowest common denominator of unity. That's not the goal either. It's not that we would agree when it comes to matters of, of truth and what, what's not true, but the fact that we would agree, choose to agree on the things that matter the most that there's certain things that don't matter as much. That we would say, you know, our focus is on, on what matters most, on what's most important. And what did Paul say? You know, he uses that, that term that we would um, work together with one mind and one purpose. It's the same words that he used earlier in chapter 1 where he said that, that, that uh, you guys would work together with that, with that one heart, one mind, one purpose for the gospel for the faith, for the good news, for the gospel, that that would be the thing that that unites us. That we realize, oh, that mission is more important than our opinion. That the vision is more important than some of our differences. And how? You know, Paul, how how do we get past that? Like, how do we get to that place where we can live like that wholeheartedly in agreement? Philippians chapter two, verse three, he carries on. He just simply says this. He says, so don't be selfish. And don't try to impress others. Some versions say, you know, don't, don't have selfish ambition or conceit. You know, when you look up the meanings of those words, the, 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 the thoughts behind them was, was like not having selfish ambition was this idea that, that you don't try and get a whole bunch of people on your side so that you, by majority, um, your, your point um, wins by majority. It's like this political thing. You know, it's not, you're not trying to get votes from everybody so that you win. That, he says, that, he says don't, don't do that. Don't do that because when you take sides, it leads to divides. 
There's, there's, no, there's not supposed to be sides when it comes to the, the gospel. He's like, sides leads to divides. And he says, and don't, and don't, um, don't allow conceit. You know, sides and, and this selfish ambition, this is this external thing. I'm going to get all these people around me on the outside. The, the, the conceit is this internal thing. It's where, it, it's where it, 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 the seed starts of this internal pride. And he's saying, don't, don't, don't allow that either. Because pride leads to divide. He's, he helps them see and he says, instead, be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. I think he has to command that because I don't think that's a natural a natural thought for most of us. You know, and C.S. Lewis, I love his quote on humility. He says this, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not like, oh, I'm such a worm. I'm no good. I'm, no, I'm nothing. That's, that's not it at all. Humility is just simply thinking of yourself less by thinking of others more. You know, not allowing yourself to become fixated on your own ideas or your own opinions. It's what he says in the thing. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take, um, take an interest in others too. You know, we get fixated on us, on what we feel, what our desires, what, even when it comes to church stuff. You know, that's natural. That's like, that's the citizen of earth type thinking. And Paul said, but there's a citizen of heaven way of thinking. This person who, who looks at the rest of the court and says, ah, the decisions I make here, especially when it comes to the gospel, matter not just for my life, but potentially for the lives of others for eternity. I need to, I need to make the right decisions when it comes to this. And he says, take an interest in others as well. Like, choose to walk in their shoes for a while. You know, that's the thing that I just felt, you know, Holy Spirit even speaking to me. Saying, Mark, you know, why, why, why are people so passionate about the other side? Why are they so passionate about that topic? And, and then simply to do this, to choose. To just choose to walk in their shoes. Just, I, to just picture, what, what's it like to be them? What, who do they know that's affected by this? What's happening in their family that makes this such a strong um, point of contention for them? And then just this thought, how, how am I contributing to their ability to live out Jesus' command? You know, the command through Paul to be, to be united, to be wholeheartedly in agreement. How am I contributing to their ability to do that? You begin to think like that, man, it, it de-escalates you know, the strong stances that you have over certain things, we begin to realize that the, the, the gospel is so much more important. The gift that we have for the world is so much more important than us missing out on that over division. And why? Why would we live this way? You know, as a Jesus follower, you're like, you know, I, I don't really feel like doing that. <laughs> Like, to be honest, I don't always feel like it either because it takes work and it takes effort. It's like, ugh, it's uncomfortable because it's, it's not natural. But why? Paul goes on to explain why, and I, and I love how he does it. He simply says in verse 5, he reminds us that Jesus' followers actually follow Jesus. Example, Jesus' followers actually follow Jesus. Who knew? But he says this, here's why. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Gave him the name above every other name. And it's at the name of Jesus that every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
He's saying, here's the example to follow. Here's, here's our master. Here's our Lord. Here's how he lived. He didn't hold on to the things that, that you know, even he thought mattered most. Was willing to lay them down for the good of the world. And I, and I wonder sometimes, you know, in my life, I, I see it in the life of Jesus. I can even say that I see it in the life of Paul as I read through the book of Acts. I see that he didn't always get it right. I saw his conflict with Barnabas where they're like, oh, we so disagree, we divide. You know, I didn't want anything to do with a guy named John Mark. And then later on we read that he's like sending letters out. Hey, send John Mark to me because he's useful. And it's, it's this restoration of it and realizing that, you know, whatever we were fighting about didn't matter so much. The gospel is more important and I need that guy here. I see it in the lives of others around me, actually. I do. I see it in the lives of some of the people that, I, that, I'm, that I'm around in our Kingsway family. Then I sometimes have to ask myself, do I see it in me? Can others see it in me? And as I was prepping for this, I was thinking about our Kingsway family. But more so, not just Kingsway, because, you know, our mission has never been to build Kingsway. Uh, our goal is to build the kingdom, his kingdom. And so as we think about this, uh, you know, in closing... Philippians 1 verse 27, where we started, says this, above all, above all, most importantly, you must live as citizens of heaven. This is to us as well, that above all, we, me included, would choose to live as citizens of heaven, conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, he says, I'll know that you are standing together. You are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, one mission, one vision. You're fighting together, not against one another. You're fighting together for something, for the faith, for the faith in Balmoral, for the faith in Haldeman County, for the faith in Ontario, for the faith of those, no matter where this video ends up being watched, fighting for the faith, fighting for the common mission. What is that mission? I'll leave you with the verse, just simply the words of Jesus to his early disciples, that ring on through the centuries until they reach our ears and beyond. Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples. Go make disciples. This is the mission. Let nothing divide you that causes you to fail at this mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey. To obey Jesus' commands. To obey even these commands of of, uh, um, being wholeheartedly in agreement. The command of baptism. The command to love one another. And he says, obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, as we close this session, my challenge and encouragement to us really is this. That we would keep our eyes on the main thing. Because distraction is so lurking at every door. Division wants, <laughs> wants this part of the body of Christ. It wants the body of Christ in general. It wants to divide us by, in any way that it can. But let's keep our eyes on the main thing. It is the gospel and the mission. You know, that we would truly share the good news with our world. Not the good news of a church, um, you know, a specific place or whatever. The good news of Jesus. The good news of salvation for the world. The good news that there is hope and that where there is brokenness on the inside, <laughs> the great physician has come to heal us. That when there is, um, where we can, couldn't make it right, we couldn't keep our own standards, let alone God's standards. He came in with this sweeping, sweeping flow of forgiveness that he paid for on a cross with the blood of his son. That we could be brought into relationship with him. The good news. 
That we would savor it for ourselves and that we would share it with those around us who need, who need to know, simply need to know. And that we would, as, as a local gathering, we'd continue to baptize people. Continue to see them come to Christ saying, I, I am going to be a disciple. I will be obedient. I will follow Christ. And I'm going to start right here. Go and get in the waters of baptism. And that we would live our lives like there's more to this life than just this life. Man, it's a wake-up call I need probably more often than I realize. And I don't believe I'm the only one. And so I hope today the words of this message, his words primarily reach your heart. And do inside whatever needs to be done that we might live on mission together, standing side by side together, fighting together for the good news, for the faith, for the world. Can we pray? Thank you, Father. Thank you for saving me. (laughs) Thank you for the truly goodness of the good news. Grateful uh, Grateful for the gathering. Grateful for the fact that that there's a mission, there's a purpose and a reason for us to be on this planet. That we work with you, Holy Spirit, to reach out to to our world and to one another. Lord, I just pray over this gathering of your family, this gathering of your followers in this day and this time. Lord, may we redeem the time. May we have eyes wide open to uh, the opportunities in front of us. May we have our ears so keenly tuned to your voice. Would you lead and direct us? Lord, thank you for those getting baptized, for the testimony of the power of your life-changing goodness. God, we honor you for that. We, We worship you for that. And I pray, Lord, that we would be aware of your spirit, focused on the truth, and not allow any sort of thing to, do, to, to cause us to leave that path. I pray this in your name, Jesus. I pray that you be glorified through it. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that uh, you have a chance to you know, gather with some people and just go over some of these questions. Maybe it's going to be sometime this week. Maybe you're going to get on the phone with somebody. Maybe you're sitting in a group right now of, of uh, Jesus followers. Would you take some time to just chat through this? Allow Holy Spirit to speak here. I often find that when we speak in our, in our groups, I'll sit in on, on the groups and as I listen, and I'm so challenged and changed by, by what God speaks through uh, the members of that group, even into my life. And I believe the same will happen to you if you give that the opportunity. So here's the questions. Number one, what jumped out at you? Of all of what you heard today, maybe it was in the music, maybe it was in the kids' video, maybe it was in this message, what jumped out at you? What kind of grabbed your heart? And you're like, oh, I got to think about that a little bit more. Second, in what areas have you seen or experienced the pain of division? In what areas have you experienced it? Why do we talk about that? For some, it might, be, it might be hurtful to bring that up. But I bet this, that where you've experienced pain of division, there's others who've experienced it as well. Some of them may have moved beyond it and may, might be that light bulb moment for you. Maybe for you, it's the spot where you've moved beyond it and it's going to be a light bulb moment for them. So in what areas have you seen or experienced the pain of division? Third, what do you think it's like in the other person's shoes, maybe even in those sp- spots where it's like, ah, we so disagree. What's it like to be in their shoes? Why do you think they feel so strongly about those things? And then finally, in what ways are you living your life today as a citizen of heaven? This was the toughest one for me to answer. In what ways am I actually living my life that is centered around Christ? Because it's not just something we say. Like we said so many times before, if you're just a hearer and not a doer, 
If you only hear and don't do, you deceive you. I don't want to deceive myself. So it's sitting down and saying, okay, where is it? How, how is my life more centered around Christ today than it was yesterday? How am I living as a citizen of heaven? How much of, how much of the yellow core do I care about? And how much am I focusing on just this little piece at the end? So I hope that, I hope that helps stir you on to uh, some great conversation. May Holy Spirit lead and guide you uh, through that. Thank you for being a blessing to one another. Uh, looking forward to uh, f- the baptism services coming up. If you're interested again, let me know. Uh, And until uh, we have a chance to chat again uh, next time, just know that I love you and praying for you and grateful to be a part of this family. We'll see you later.